0: Hi, I'm Prerna Jinjinwala. I'm the CEO and founder of Creative Galileo. I am here today with Akshay to share more about my journey.
1: This could be a great intro.
2: Hi, I'm Akshay.
1: Hi, this is Saurabh, and you are listening to the
2: Founder Thesis Podcast. We meet some of the most celebrated startup founders in the country. And we want to learn how to build a unicorn.
1: Prerna Junjunwala was just in her twenties and had recently moved to Singapore when she decided to start a play school. Over the next five years, that play school grew from one branch to five branches, dominating its category in Singapore and was eventually acquired for almost $35 million. And Prerna did all this with almost no external funding. And if this phenomenal achievement was not enough, she is now running her second startup through which she aims to impact the lives of millions of children in India and Southeast Asia. When the lockdown hit, she saw the need for a digital product that would engage the students in her play school. And when she did not find anything she liked, she decided to build one herself and called it Creative Galileo. Today, Creative Galileo has been downloaded millions of times on the Play Store and it has some of the best retention and engagement metrics in the industry. And Prerna is backed by some leading VCs in her second journey of starting up. Listen on to this fantastic conversation between Prerna and Akshay about building and scaling educational businesses. So
0: I was always very keen on education. I wanted to build, because I'd spent so much time in tier two, tier three cities, I had seen how education is one of the greatest equalizers that exist. right? Unfortunately, in a country as large as India, there is huge amount of fragmentation. What is available to a child in tier one cities in the top schools is really not available in a tier two, tier three, no matter how talented the kid is, right? just not the same opportunities so I was very keen on doing something in education I was 24 years old nobody was going to shell out a huge amount of money to give to a 24 year old to start a big school or something so I said cool let me start a small preschool so went and acquired a small preschool in Singapore which was in almost the heartland of Singapore really nobody even knows where Kovan is when you talk to expats in Singapore but that's where I started the journey From there on, Little Paddington became one of the fastest, most acclaimed preschools in Singapore. We opened five branches and we got a huge exit, one of the largest exits in early preschool years that has happened recently. So we got a pretty big exit with Little Paddington.
2: For the Little Paddington journey, so how did you fund the initial acquisition? Like you acquired a school, right? So how did you fund that?
0: It was a mix of equity and debt. So equity money, I had some and family gave some. So it was a mix and that's how I started Paddington. It was not a huge investment, right? Like it was not some huge shaking number, but what we exited was at about over 30, 34 million dollars. So we got a pretty good exit over there in five years time for the work that we put in.
2: So tell me how how you like, how did you build value from maybe it must have been like a half a million or less to 35 million. So how did you build that value?
0: Yeah, the one thing that I was very particular about is that I wanted to provide children hands on learning. I wanted education to be fun. And not rote learning. That paper pay the child is just constantly forced to be on paper and just paper can make a child learn. Like I did not ascribe to that idea. For me, education is really about experiences and for us to give those experiences to the children so that they remember what they learn. And I always think about my childhood. I really don't know what I learned in geometry for a good four years of my life. I can't remember it. I can't remember the the what What the table, then uh, all the the periodic table, I really can't remember it. Just because all I learned was on a piece of paper, focus that you have to memorize all these things. Had somebody made it a little bit more fun for me, I would have probably found some application of all that that I had learned. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make education very applied. So we started to do very fun things, right? If we were teaching children about cars, we used to ask all the parents to bring their cars in. The children used to do car washing. We used to show the engine of the car, parts of the car. We used to make the children paint the tires and things like that. So it was very about experiencing, touching and feeling education rather than just making it on a piece of paper. So that was a very different thing, which is not happening in Singapore. We were one of the first schools to build a digital room in our school. So basically, children can color a fish and it animates on the walls. So it The whole room becomes like an ocean and children have colored some fishes and the fishes are like floating across the walls. So we started to do all these really fun things and we grew very organically. We were not taking any external capital for growth or anything. We were just growing organically. Within six months, all our centers used to hit capacity. And throughout the year, we used to operate at 92 to 95 percent capacity because the demand for our schools was so it really Became a very, very fast growth story, really.
2: Uh, there is enough, for, is it like a high margin business for it to be able to sustain setting up the next campus? Because really
0: it's not, it to be really. very honest. If you look at the industry average in Singapore, it's between 8 to 14% EBITDA margin. With Paddington, we were operating at a 40% EBITDA margin. Because our occupancy rates in itself used to be so high. So for a typical school, the occupancy rate is between 75 to 82%. We used to operate at 92 to 95%. So just the sheer occupancy rates used to be so high. And obviously, our, our model was a model that was very cost efficient, right? We were not the most expensive school, nor were we the mass market. We were a very aspirational school. Most parents are aspirational, right? So we priced it very well and we used to have a lot of facilities in our schools. We used to have huge playgrounds, we have digital life, we used to have United Nations Atelier, we used to have coding, we used to have... Coding at
2: preschool level. Yes,
0: we were one of the first schools to start coding in Singapore. Yeah, so we have these small robots which they can do simple codes in. They used to learn how to make Da Vinci bridges and things like that just to give that analytical mindset to the children.
2: How did you scale the? Because a school is very human intensive and high touch service, it's not a product where like you create an app and then it scales here every school every new campus that you open you need to make sure that the consistency is there in the experience customer experience how did you scale that
0: the one thing that i've been extremely lucky with is the human capital right like i have been so kind to have the best people work with me. And, and not just the best people work with me, but the best people work with me for years on years. Most of my schools, the people who started the school were the people who were still there with me when I was exiting the school. Some people started with me as teachers and progressed into VPs, into principals. So they were a part of the ethos of the school when we started. Those were the guys when our furniture came from china we didn't have enough money to get workers to make those furnitures right screw them up okay, a lot of those like teachers
2: types. Huh.
0: yes and lot of those teachers has assembled those furnitures with me when we were doing it together and then those were the teachers who eventually scaled to being vps and principals so more consistency in ethos consistency and culture was not a very difficult thing to do because we've always valued our people and our retention was incredible really our retention of our staff members of our of our team was one of the best in the country that helped us scale very well
2: and so what made you want to exit what kind of revenues were you making by the fifth year when you were um,
0: close to- i don't think i'm allowed to say that but it was it was a pretty good number right it was i'd like to say single mid single digit millions yeah a very decent, rev- no, no, revenue, that was profit. Revenue was, mid single digit millions was profits and and revenue was double digit. Let's just say that around, yeah. So we were doing very well, even in terms of revenue and profit. Each
2: campus would be earning a couple of million dollars annually.
0: Yes, around there, around there. So we were doing very well at that.
2: So what made you want to exit?
0: Yeah, what happened is when COVID hit and we were charging, our school fees was not cheap by any standards. In India terms though, it is almost, I would like to say, 120,000 to 150,000 a month. Ke beach that, that's what I was charging in terms of school fees monthly. And when COVID hit, we were not given much time for preparation, right? We were supposed to go online in four days time. And obviously being a premium provider, and I was very passionate about what I do, anything substandard, I would not allow it to happen in my school. If we are doing it, we have to be the best at it. So I started to scout for programs which I could do with my children because 30-40 minutes a teacher can hold the child's attention on screen, okay? They're doing language or numeracy or whatever. What happens beyond that 40 minutes? Because a school hour in for us was from 9 to say 3.30, right? right? 40 minutes killito online session, but what will you do after that? If you're asking the parents to pay, you need to justify that payment. You can't just say that, oh, you pay me the same amount of money for 30 minutes of online class. It's not fair. So I started to talk to the giants, right? It was ABC Learning from America, Homer from Homer, Lingo Kids, to build like an entire app system that was available for children to do classes and that parents and teachers could get updates out of. But the more I tried to do it, the more I realized how impossible it was becoming because the standard of learning in Asia which is Southeast Asia and India is not the same as in US and UK because Asian parents are a lot more focused on phonics, numeracy and things like that. And children are more advanced, right? What a six-year-old child is doing there, a three-year-old child is doing in, in our part of the world. I was like look like how do I make this happen so with that I just built the app with Creative Galileo where I thought that the learning will be a lot of fun and children's favorite characters are there and they are playing these games with their favorite characters and at the same time they're learning so I just launched it and I was like look children are stuck at home while I'm using this app to build something of an engaging platform for the children let me just put it for free on the play store so if children who are at home and don't have much to do at least they'll get something to do and I was expecting like okay two three thousand downloads we will get we were We I didn't even take a separate server for it I was hosting it from the Paddington server initially and within six months we had a million downloads at no consumer acquisition cost I was not doing any marketing I was not doing any publicity and we were just scaling incredibly and the more I thought about it the more I realized that my Passion is providing education to a huge amount of people. The reason why I wanted to do schools in the first place is because I realized how a big of equalizer, how can we democratize education? And this was my opportunity, which I kind of stumbled upon almost by mistake. And I was like, you can't do two great things at the same time. I was very passionate about my schools. And I could not allow that my attention is moving and the school's quality slips. I continue, needed to be top-notch and continue it to scale while I'm focusing on something else. And my team was just too strong. They don't deserve for me to be focused on something else, half-heartedly doing something and half-heartedly doing something else. So my, and for the betterment of my team, for the betterment of the growth of Paddington, I thought that it's if I'm going to be more involved in this, it's better that somebody equally passionate comes and runs that so that that can scale at the same pace that it was scaling before.
2: Okay, got it. Help me understand what was it that you put out there? What did it look like? That version one of the app which you put out there which got a million downloads, what was that?
0: the one thing that having worked with children for so long right Hmm. and wanting always to make education and experience i always knew one thing that children are the most loyal customers if you have a daughter and she likes elsa a water bottle, chadar, bed, bhi, everything has to revolve around Elsa. Similarly, if you like Chota Beam as a character or Little Singham as a character or any of these famous Indian characters, you want your world to be revolving around that. So we went and we did a research, we mapped the Google trends, we saw the bug data, we saw the YouTube trends. And we zeroed in on one character, which was Little Singham. And we believed that it was a very popular character, it stood for the right ethos. And we were like, look, we will create learning journeys, but the jockey for all these learning journeys will be Little Singham. So for children, it is, I am playing a game with my favorite character, Little Singham. But every single game is teaching them either English or numeracy or creativity or gross motor skill or some general knowledge or science related topics. But in a fun gamified universe, you see, of their own. So that was my first version, which was just Little Singham as a character and different learning mm-hmm. journeys mapped around it.
2: So you you did the licensing deal with the Little Singham uh, IP owner?
1: Yes, we did okay. a revenue licensing deal. if you like to hear stories of founders then we have tons of great stories from entrepreneurs who have built billion dollar businesses just search for the founder thesis podcast on any audio streaming app like spotify ghana apple podcasts and subscribe to the show
2: okay so the app was paid or so
0: initially it was absolutely free and we had that understanding that look this is a huge opportunity right everyone was realizing at that point that how big of a game changer edtech can be so when we and all these ips are incredible ips they have great affinity for children but unfortunately in our country we were not doing anything to use those ips and the popularity of those IP to make something good some learning happen out of it for the children and nobody was utilizing that opportunity so I came on the landscape and I said that look let's build something big out of it
2: and why did you choose an Indian uh, character considering that your the kids you were teaching were in Singapore would they connect with little Singham
0: So to be very honest, my idea was always to make it for India as an audience. My natural affinity, having grown up in India, spending so much time in tier 1, tier 2, tier 3 cities, was India. And India, in my view, is going to be one of the largest edtech markets in the world because of its sheer, sheer population. Southeast Asia will not ever match up to that scale of population and India is a young country right most of our population is below the age of 25. So I, I strongly believe that that is my opportunity. And there, was, there is really no player doing in India. There are 4,500 edtech players, but nobody is doing what I am doing. Building a platform with multiple characters, multiple learning journeys. And so I thought it is my opportunity. And why Indian characters is because when I went and looked up the bug data, the YouTube trends, the Google trends, I was myself very surprised because the top 10 characters were all Indian characters. Disney did not even feature in the top 10 viewership characters of India, right? Either it was Indian characters or Japanese characters. So I was like, this is my opportunity. There are these characters children love. They are all fragmented in India. Let them just bring them together. Every single character is lined with different studios at different places. Not creating a wholesome, holistic environment. So
2: Mm -hmm. that was my opportunity. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay, interesting. Like, uh, who owns uh, the Little Singham IP?
0: I think it's a joint joint ownership between Rohit Shetty Studios and Reliance Animations.
2: Okay, okay. They, they made the Singham movies, and that yes, this was a right. brand extension in a way. Okay. Yes, that's right. That's okay, right. okay, that's I got it, right. got it. Okay, like when you launched the app, it was what all? Uh, what were the learning experiences like? Was it like fill in the blanks or match matching or what was it?
0: No, it's not just simple fill in the blanks. Some was was like a running game where you're collecting ABCD as coins, temple run. But it's ABCD. It's not really a coin. So you're, every time the, there is repetition of ABCD, it's getting registered in a child's mind. There were memory card games, but the memory card game is about if the child was learning about fireman as a module. So the memory card game was all the equipment fireman used, right? Like a fire hose reel, a helmet, a torch and things like that to build on the vocabulary of a child. We had some numeracy related games, colors related games, but it was a very basic thing which we rolled out as a version one, which in itself was doing such incredible numbers
2: okay okay then like you decided okay you want to do creative galileo full-time and you got an exit from little paddington then then what next tell me that evolution journey did you like build a version two of the app or we
0: multiple we built since then i think we built iterations of the app hmm, and hmm, constantly evolving and growing we we started with one character but today we have almost 60 percent of the top characters of india onto our platform already
2: Give me some other names.
0: We have Shakti Man. We have Darwin and Nudes. We have Golmal Junior. We have Nish. We have Bal Krishna. We have like Bahubali. We are launching very soon with a couple of really big other characters as well. So uh, really a Yul- Supandi, Shikari Shambhu. Like... All the ACK characters, Amar Chitrakatha is also our partner too for those traditional stories or cultural stories of India. So we have a whole huge range of partnerships that we have. We are one of our partners is Periwinkle. Uh, They have all these educational videos for children, which is like very, very focused on curriculum. Right. So with their curriculum and our jockeys, we make it even more fun for the children building quizzes on top of that so that children we can check what children are understanding or not understanding.
2: And I'm assuming version one would have been through some vendor. Did you then build an in-house tech team after that? Yeah, so
0: now we have a 25, 26 people tech team already. And it's just been a year. So we've from 0 to 26 has been i think a pretty incredible journey and we've been pretty uh, frugal in the way we've grown we've not like just gone ahead and built like a 200 people thing where we didn't have the where we had to we planned our capabilities because really i'm a second third time founder my my co-founder nikhil he was heading india's india for, he was the gm india for viewclip which was sold to pccw in 2014 or 15 for 270 million dollars then and then he was heading 17 emerging markets with with view as a brand so i think he also has a lot of experience in business development and running huge teams so we've been able to optimize our our team while making sure our growth has been very incredible
2: okay 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 and what is your go-to-market strategy now like initially it was all organic so we've
0: still very much been a very organic growth company we have not spent incredible amount of money in doing google pay ads and facebook's and branding and all those things we believe that if the business has legs it should grow organically and that is the and that is how your product proves virality, right? And that is happening for us. So we are focused a little bit more on that. We are looking at some B2B partnerships, very interesting ones to assist or back that distribution growth that we've been achieving so far
2: also. So that B2B partnership would be with like, say, a school chain or something like that?
0: Yes, it's with schools, it's with Mm. telecom partners, it's with other YouTube channels and things like that.
2: Mm, Got it, got it. But even for driving organic growth, there are growth hacks that can be done, like uh, in terms of, say, using YouTube as a top of the funnel, putting out videos there, which lead to app download. Yeah, so all that we do. So tell me about all of those, like how to build organic downloads for your app? What are your lessons?
0: on that so we what we obviously experimented a lot with different versions what what we figured is performance marketing works the best for us so we doubled down on that thing instead of spreading ourselves we do have instagram presence and a facebook presence but we really focus more on performance marketing with google ads other than that we did get a lot of traction also because our partners have multi Millions and millions of YouTube users on their YouTube channels. So, we, with their help, used to post our videos on their channels as well, seeded over there. So, we did get a fair bit of traction from there also. We tied up with Little Singham games and things like that also, which were already at 30-35 million downloads to put our ad space and things like that over there. So that was a very target audience who already liked Little Singham or already coming and playing with the character. So for them to come and check us out was a fairly easy transition for us to get. So those were some of the things that we did.
2: So in a way, these characters are your social media influencers, like Little Singham acts as a influencer for you you don't really need real world influencers you already have these virtual influencers
0: absolutely absolutely and they have a for children they are the influencers i don't think a child really goes and sees what a lady is posting on instagram for (laughs) them like those those characters who they relate to so absolutely right Were the reason why we were able to scale so fast and keep our consumer acquisition cost so low
2: okay 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 and does the child choose which character he wants to work with or is it that some lessons are with some characters some lessons are with some characters how does it happen so
0: at this moment some are with some and some are with some but we are building the entire platform very modularly so the idea is to move towards the format that they can choose their favorite characters and all the Games and videos get customized to their
2: mm-hmm. got it, got it, got it. Okay, 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 okay. And what is the age group you are targeting for this? Three to ten. Okay, okay, okay. Are they like uh, learning journeys based on age and all? Like, uh, tell me the, Yeah, so, the, the, their the is on, so their learning journeys
0: based. So their learning journeys based on age. Their learning journeys also based on the interests of the child. So. If the child is interested in numeracy, there's a learning journey on numeracy, language, creativity, arts and aesthetics, discovery of the world, which has concepts like geography, culture, history, social and emotional learning, which has things about moral stories and things like that. So we have quite a large um, variance in terms of what all children can do on our platform. On top of that, it is not just divided on age group, but also on the aptitude and the ability of the child. So if the child is a high-performing child, automatically uh, more and more difficult question answers will show up or difficult games will show up so that we can challenge the child and make sure they are learning newer concepts and make sure that they are learning concepts that uh, are slightly more challenging for them. But at the same time, what we also do is review of concepts. If we know that a child is struggling, very simple thing, some kids are not able to differentiate between a P and a Q letter. They constantly keep getting confused. Now, for a teacher to figure that out will take at least six months time where they are like trying to figure out that when they test hota hai, tab probably teacher hai that there is this thing but for us what happens is that when the child is playing constantly on the games we can figure out that the child is not understanding and those live updates can go both to the parents and to the teachers at the same point of time so we make sure those personalization in that journey is also there on top of the age groups and
2: Okay, like once a parent downloads the app, then what? Like you ask the parent to input the age of the child and then...
0: Yeah, we have two journeys at the point of download. One is the parent, one is the child. The parent journey is slightly more exhaustive where they input the age, the name, the abilities, whether the child can do basic English, whether the child can do three letter words and so on. So that when the child moves into the platform, it's already customized to the child's learning. But if the child is entering the platform, obviously they are coming with a single purpose of playing on the platform, right? They want, don't want to be answering so many questions and answers. So their child journey almost takes them directly to the platform based on the age. And then the customization inside starts happening based on their, their playing history or what is what are the games that they are playing again and again and the understanding that they have.
2: So like a child sees maybe some 8-10 cards, each card representing one game when they log in and then they can just tap one. And this could these cards could be a mix, some could be numeracy, some could be alphabets and so on, something like that.
0: Yeah, so we have different journeys planned for the children. One is say different cards, which is the library zone, which has basically all the games and videos inside it, whatever the child wants to click and go in. Separate to this that there are two different journeys. One is learning journeys, which is basically based off the curriculum in India. So the Indian curriculum, where there is the Nippon Bharat program, where they give a framework, we want the children to know these things in early years by the age of 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. So that learning journey follows the curriculum. Okay, so the child really has to pass one stage to the second stage to the third stage to the fourth stage, almost like how it happens in school, but in a gamified universe. And the third journey is thematic. If I'm a child, right, I don't want to go through this very serious journey, which is very almost like a gamified multiverse, but I, it has a textbook, a chapter by chapter that you have to cross through. But as a child, I really enjoy cars. So there are thematic journeys in which you can actually go inside the world of transportation and you learn through that, but you will learn numbers and alphabets and so on and so forth in that universe of cars also. So there are three separate types of journeys for children.
2: So these would be like three tabs and they can like switch between these tabs to decide yeah, which way they want to go. That's right. How do you do the stakeholder communication? Like you said that you can flag issues to parents and teachers. So how does that happen?
0: So for parents, we have a parent zone where we send out regular notifications to the parents and parents can come and see what are the games that children have pay, played. More games are in which space less games are in which space, whether we believe that there are some skills that are emerging, if there are some skills that are excelling, if there are some skills that are performing, if there are some skills that are just purely still developing, if there's any particular insights we have for the parent through our thing. So that's the parent zone. The teachers app, we are in the midst of creating and hopefully launching it in the next couple of months, where teachers can essentially assign homework of these games. Because we are anyway aligned to curriculums in India, what happens is that the teachers right now are almost like, okay, uh, on an average, a child spends two hours a day on a screen. We are saying instead of wasting their time on a screen, it's the same games and videos that they're playing, but they're learning something. And if the teachers can assign games and videos through our app, then children will happily do the homework rather than forcefully getting the homework done. And at the same time, they will learn and they will they will excel because there'll be like a continuity, right? The more they play, the more they will want to play also and the more they will learn as
2: well. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. This would essentially happen when the child is subscribing in a B2B model where like you are selling the app to a school and then the school yeah. is rolling it out for the students. There yes. The teacher can make use of uh, like uh, homework assigning and... Uh, tracking progress and all of that
0: that's right that's absolutely
2: right okay okay and what is the pricing like
0: so we are going to be working for b2b at obviously a different price point and the consumers direct to consumers at a different price point but what we are looking at based on the current market competition is close to say 1500 to 2000 rupees a year
2: okay Okay, which is extremely affordable.
0: Yes, and the idea was anyway, it was what we were building or what we wanted to create is something that is for the masses. It is not just a tier one, very high end, something that most people in India cannot afford. We want to go and luckily for us, almost 55% of our downloads are coming from tier two cities and below. Tech in India has always had this problem where they are getting most of their customer base from tier one. They're not able to crack the tier two market. But for us, very organically, we have cracked the tier two market and tier three markets as well. So for them, we have to make sure that the price point is very affordable. And we have to make sure that the children are learning because you see that just the just the number of very good qualified teachers speaking the right English speaking teaching them the right concept is in dearth so if anything that can help them give that support in a fun and engaging manner where a parent is not forcing a child to sit and study but they are enjoying the process of study why not? I think we need solutions like this
2: and this pricing is like in stark comparison to Baiju's used to have probably still has the product they built with disney which which i guess would be like the most direct comparison for creative yeah energy. it would be i think 25 but 30, they are not, or Something
0: that's absolutely right and look at average and they are actually catering to a different market segment in my opinion because if you go to an average Indian child and ja ask what is Elsa or what is a Moana or what is Kaz, they will just look at you completely blankly and what are you talking, we have no idea what's a Moana or what's a Elsa, right? Or what is Kaz or Lightning McQueen. But if you go to an average Indian child and ask what is little Singham or what is... They will know about it, they will be like, I know, I know, I know, right? That's, those are the children who are our audience. Those are the children who need what we are building.
2: I've experienced that Baiju's Disney app. So I'm assuming Creative Galileo would have a similar look and feel and approach on how the different games are and things like that.
0: Yeah, with a few different things, right? Our journeys are adaptive. It's not the same for everybody. And it is more, I would like to say, a little bit more gamified than that. It's a more gamified version. You have like
2: leaderboards and... Things like yes, that. Yes, okay, yes, okay, okay, okay. Yes. okay, okay. And how many kids use it right now? Like,
0: well, we have about seven million downloads, of which yeah. about over six hundred and fifty thousand monthly active users.
2: Okay, okay, amazing. And have you started with like B two B deals also, like where you're tying up with schools?
0: Yeah. So we've have we've, we've shortlisted and spoken to a couple of schools who we want to run our pilot program with so we didn't want to start our pilot with 50 schools obviously we won't be able to handle that kind of scale from the get-go so we've started with we've had the conversation with couple of schools and we will first run our pilot with those schools and after that once things go well for three months or let's say four month timeline then we open it up
2: Okay, okay. So what do you think will be the way forward? Will you see more through the direct-to-consumer channel? Will you see more happening through schools? Or what? where do you see Creative Galileo a couple of years down the line?
0: I think commerce will always be our first uh, is where we want to scale first because I think that is the ethos of the company, really. What B2, B2B is a very... Personal thing for me, because I used to run schools, and I see how in India, teachers are just not prepared with proper lesson plans, teachers are not prepared with what is the right thing to teach at a right age group, what are the right kind of activities to do, what are the different levels of motor skills at which age group what are the different levels of even as basic as fine motor skills right at what age children should be using thick crayons thin crayons pencils I feel like that learning is just not there through our app we have we are also creating a teacher section which kind of provides teacher all the resources that they need to run a strong lesson so it doesn't matter even if you don't have the best teacher on board But the teacher will know how to run a lesson because there's an opening of the lessons that these are the questions you should ask. These are the songs you have to sing. This is the closing, along with the resources needed to conduct those lessons as well. So it's a very personal thing for me because I believe that children deserve more. We need to do something about the early education system. If you just think about it, right, time and again, science has said that children below the age of eight are developing at an unprecedented pace most of the brain development happens between the age of zero to eight years of age and it's unfortunate that's the least of the focus area in the education system right now and i don't think children deserve that i think they deserve more
2: Okay, that's pretty. This actually seems like a pretty big opportunity. So what, say, Exceed was a pioneer of in terms of equipping schools with pedagogical resources so that teachers can teach better. You could be that partner for schools at earlier level. We
0: could be that partner along with providing that gamification module for the children, along with providing a live update to both Parents and teachers, which makes the life of a teacher very easy because abhi ab socho, very acutely I realized this problem, ki, ek, teacher ko, ek class, mein 20-30 bachche, right? How much time does the teacher spend on creating report cards for the children? And obviously they struggle with the language, English, the right sentence structure, and so on. So if we give them templates and if we are they are able to customize the templates to their needs it'll save a lot of time for the teachers so based on my understanding of running schools having very deep involvement of schools in india also we are building the teachers app which also communicates with the parents Abhi, i'll tell you one thing i did in my schools right so we i built an app very similar to this when i started my schools because i felt like kya, parent ko nahi bacha school mein kya kar. i feel like parents today want to know what is going on in my child's life so it was a very simple thing like when children used to come in attendance instead of marking present absent on the on the on the by the register, we used to click a photo that your child is present. And when the photo clicked, it would automatically go to the parent. And in the early morning, the parent is going to the office. They used to see a smiley face of their child entering the school. It has a lot of like comfort factor to the parent also. And and it was also key to a major activity, right? We did a Mexican fiesta all the children are dressed, and dressed as Mexican in Mexican clothes and things like that. And the teachers could just take photos and post it on the app and parents can see it and it almost like an Instagram, but for parents and children and the school. So those were some small features, but it made a big difference in the life of a parent and the life of a teacher. And the trust that a parent has in the school also increases.
2: So like Paddington had its own app, like a parent app. Yes, wow. yes. Okay, okay. Which is fairly unique. I have not really heard of schools having their own apps so far, at least.
0: Because when I started, no, there were no apps. When I started was about six years ago. Apps is still a very recent phenomenon, which has happened in the last two, three years. And that too, for preschools, to bilkul be all tha. And when I made that app, I made it six years ago. So uh, that time, there were really not much solutions available, right, in the market. And it was just something that I wanted to do.
2: Amazing. Amazing. Okay. I actually think your school business could actually end up being the bigger part because the uh, each deal will net you more revenue because it's a bulk deal. And there are so many of these unbranded preschools all over the country. So you could actually give them branding. So they could become Creative Galileo School, for example. That Agreed.
0: Yeah, we have we built the app and we have to see how it goes. But to be very honest, we've seen success in there is still to prove itself. But success this side to a certain extent for a one and a half year old company has already proved itself. So this is like chasing after something else when you have already a gold mine in front of you. And the, even when we talk to the investors and we are going to be announcing a, a pretty uh, decent uh, Series A right now, uh, we've closed that round also. Everyone who sees our data says that one thing for sure, ki, uh, this is one of the best head tech data that we have seen. So consumer, mein, consumer mein we are already doing really well. So there is absolutely no reason to not focus on that first. The, these other things are projects that we are building to support that a little bit more. And hopefully they all take independent scales of their own. You need not be stuck to A or B. They both can be independently really huge. And that's how I suppose business are built. You, you diversify and make sure each diversification is as strong as the other.
2: So you said that your investors said this is the best ed tech data that they have seen. What are some of those metrics? Can you share? like
0: Engagement metrics, retention metrics. Just So we have like about our highly engaged users give us about 27 sessions per month which is saying that a child is almost coming back to our platform on a daily basis. And that doesn't happen if a parent is forcing a child. That only happens if the child is asking the parent again and again. And this is almost over 20 to 25% of our user base. That's a huge user base coming back almost daily on our platform. So that is one thing. And the second thing that is very interesting is our retention data. So our highly engaged users... Or uh, the power users, our, our M1 retention for them is close to 70%, right? 69%. What is M1 retention?
2: Sorry, I didn't know.
0: If you download this, you can download it, so 50% of it will be able to play on our okay, app, okay, 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 right? Okay, okay, uh, okay. And that shows loyalty. So, our highly okay, okay. engaged users, our power users, almost 70% come back on an M1. Which is again a very powerful data because the biggest thing is that the bucket is very leaky. But the fact that even at an early stage you can retain seventy percent of your highly engaged users to M one is a strong, powerful data to to be to be targeting.
2: Let me end with: Do you have advice for aspiring founders and especially women who are aspiring to be founders?
0: so for women i would say prioritize a lot we all have a lot going in our lives we are mothers we are wives we are daughters and more so we are startup founders so prioritize and but it doesn't matter whether you are a man or a woman a founder has to just have grit perseverance and a lot of dedication to what they are doing and if you have that doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman you will just excel so that's my only
1: advice If you like the Founder Thesis podcast, then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing, technology, career advice, books, and drama.